everybody. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. I am your gracious host, David Vignola. This is episode 28, and this week we're going to talk about one simple question. Why is mixing so difficult? Why is it so challenging? It seems really easy, right? When you first start mixing or if you've been mixing for a while, you see other people do mixes. You may even see me do some mixes and you go, wow, it's easy. How come I can't get my mix to sound like that? Well, we're going to talk about that this week. I'm going to give you five things and I'm going to give you some tips and some other ideas and some other advice. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about why mixing is so difficult. Get yourself a cool drink, take some notes, and let's talk about it right here on the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. All right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. Why is mixing so difficult? It seems easy, right? You know, you see your favorite YouTuber, maybe it's Uncle Dave, <laughs> or even a famous engineer, Andrew Sheps, Chris Lord Algae, Jack Joseph Puig, you know, Bob Clear Mountain, goes on and on and on, right? And it looks so simple. They just turn a bunch of knobs, everything sounds great. <laughs> How is that? You may have taken a bunch of my courses over time and where a lot of you that have taken the courses, my, my Lord, have gotten so much better at mixing, but at times it seems a lot more difficult than it is, right? And why is that? Well, I mean, first and foremost, well, I'm going to, we're going to talk about five reasons why it's so difficult. I'm going to try to give you some, for each reason, I'm going to try to give you some advice. So this will be good if you take some notes. But, you know, one of the reasons why, let's just talk about in general, mixing to me is a craft. It's a learned skill, right? It can easily be taught. It I always equate this to, because um, most, a lot of you listening to this are also musicians, I, I equate this to being a musician and learning an instrument. You know, it's a craft. You know, if you're a guitar player, you know, the first time you picked up a guitar, no matter what age you were, whether you were a young kid starting out, whether you started later in life as an adult, when you first picked up the guitar and started playing, you were terrible, right? You were terrible. You, you know, you didn't you didn't sound like your favorite guitar player when you first started picking it up. It took, you know, weeks and months and hours and hours and hours of practice before you could even maybe play some songs, right? You know, and it, even the most famous musicians in the world, they didn't start out that way. They all started at the same place, at zero, <laughs> and they were all terrible, but they practiced and they learned and they built on their craft. Mixing and engineering is no different than learning how to play an instrument. The more studying you do, and then the more practice that you put into it, the better you will become. So it is a craft. Okay. That's not, that's not the only, you know, that isn't, well, that's the reason why it's so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one reason, but that's not one of the top five here, but it's a craft. So understand that if you're learning how to mix or trying to get better at mixing, or you're frustrated at times, or you feel like you've hit a plateau and you're not getting any better, it's a craft. And even though you will plateau at times, and then every so often you'll have a breakthrough and the more you do it, the better that you will become. So having said all of that, what's the first reason why it's so difficult? Well, Reason number one, and these are in no particular order. These are just things off the top of my head. Why is it so difficult? Well, one of the things that makes it so difficult is getting your mixes to translate. And we've talked about this before in other podcast episodes. We talked about acoustic treatment and such. And what does that mean, getting the mix to translate? Well, 
the way it sounds in your mixing environment, in your home studio, you get it sounding just the way you want. It sounds great. You've spent weeks working on this song, recording and mixing and tweaking every parameter on every single plugin. You've got it sounding just the way you want. And then you take that and you export it to an MP3 file or put it on a CD or however you consume your music. And you want to go drive around in the car and you want to go listen to your music. The new song that sounded so awesome, let's go to the car. And you put it in the car and you're driving around and you notice that it sounds horrible, right? Usually it's the low end that's the problem. There's way too much bass in the mix. Oh my goodness, you can't even turn it up to two because it's so much bass. Or the exact opposite. Hey, what happened to all the bass? <laughs> right? Or wow, the guitar sounded so big and full and wide in my studio, but in the car, I can't even barely hear them. Why is that? That's translation. In other words, it sounded good in one space and then it sounds not the same in another. This is a huge problem. This is probably one of the biggest challenges for a new mixing engineer or a home recording musician who's wanting to mix their own music. Their mix doesn't translate. So why is that? Well, there's a few things that you can check. First and foremost, if you're not mixing on headphones and you're mixing on studio speakers, is your room acoustically treated? Go back and listen to the acoustic treatment um, episode or how to translate episode. I forget what episode it was. You have to go back and look. <laughs> but there's a whole episode talking about acoustic treatment. If you're trying to mix in a room that's not acoustically treated, properly acoustically treated, now, those are in air quotes. You can't see it, but it's in air quotes properly. Your mix will never translate out of your studio. It'll never sound the way you think it's supposed to sound, the way you intended to it to sound outside of that space. Acoustic treatment's number one. Number two, are you if you're using studio speakers, what kind of speakers are you using? Are you using studio monitors that are made for mixing? Or are you using home stereo speakers? I know guys that try to mix music on home stereo speakers because they don't know any better. Bad idea um, for a million reasons that we won't get into here. You want decent quality studio monitors. And this is a big topic. We've talked about this before in live streams and in videos and on other episodes of the podcast. Speakers, studio monitors, you're kind of, you get what you pay for. You are going to have a difficult time doing mixes on subpar quality monitors. I've said this a million times, put your Spend a good part of your budget or, as, uh, you know, that you have on a decent set of speakers. Now, again, we're not going to get into brands and this and that. Look for a name brand. You can, you know, but in the, you know, go to places like Sweetwater.com. Links will be in the show notes below and you can check out speakers and you read reviews. Speakers are very subjective. Buy them from a place where you can return them if you don't like the way they sound. But in my opinion, a decent set of monitors, a pair of powered studio speakers, will run you about $1,000 a pair. Now, that's 500 bucks a speaker. Can you get them for less? Yes. Have people mixed records on them and got good results on speakers that are of less quality? Yes. Do I recommend doing that, especially if you're a beginner? No. I would say get the best quality speaker you can afford because every mixing decision that you make is based on what you hear coming out of those speakers. And if you don't have a decent set of speakers, it's going to be harder to do critical listening on and make sure that you have your EQ and stuff in the places that you want it to be. It's as simple as that. I know that's not a popular statement, and I know a lot of people are looking and screaming at the, the, 
you know, screaming at the, the episode right now saying, I don't know what I'm talking about. That's my opinion. <laughs> That's why you're here for Uncle Dave's opinion. And Uncle Dave will tell you to spend a thousand bucks minimum on a set of studio speakers. If you can't afford that, and that's totally fine, you can get an amazing set of mixing headphones for 500 bucks. Okay. Sennheiser 650s, Neumann HD 521s. I think they are. That's what I use. Those are $500. Okay. So for half the money, you can get an amazing set of studio headphones that are made for mixing where the room doesn't matter. The acoustic treatment doesn't matter. And the speaker quality doesn't matter. You can do that. Okay. Those are two, those are two things that I would tell you to check acoustic treatment and your monitoring system to get mixes that translate. Okay. That's one of the reasons top, top number reason. one number one, why it's so difficult. It's difficult to get your mix to translate. Number two, too many choices with digital workflow and plugins. This is a big one, man. This is big. Too many choices, too many plugins, too much editing, too many tracks, all that stuff. Okay. We talk about this a lot. Now, you know, when I tell you, when we've done episodes on stop buying plugins, I mean, I have a podcast episode on that. And I know a lot of you have said to me, or, or at least you were thinking, how can I say that? I'm like one of the king of all plugins. <laughs> I'm showing you new plugins every single week on the YouTube channel. I got, you know, 11 different LA two ways in my collection. So how can I tell you to stop buying plugins and have not have too many choices? Because I do it for an education reasons, because I do that as part of my business, okay? If I was just, just like you, um, wasn't in business, wasn't part of the education industry and didn't need this from a teaching perspective and I was just mixing my own music or mixing for clients, I wouldn't have all the plugins that I have. I would have one decent set of third-party plugins, either Slate Digital and or Universal Audio, and that would be it. That's me. You may have other choices, but I would say one of the reasons, again, why it's difficult is because you have too many choices. You can spend hours, you know, auditioning different plugins to try to get what you want the thing to sound like. Okay. And so by limiting your choices, by reducing your choices, so you all have a set of stock plugins that come with whatever DAW you have. And even though I'm, I'm, you know, if you want to move into some third-party plugins, I recommend picking one manufacturer and sticking with them. For example, I recommend to everyone that's new to third-party plugins the Slate Digital All Access Pass. It's twelve bucks a month or one hundred and forty bucks for the year. You get every one of his plugins, and they're fantastic plugins. And all the updates and any new plugins that come out don't cost any extra money. Yes, it's subscription-based. A lot of people don't like that, but that's the way software is going today. Software is going that way in the audio industry and outside the audio industry, and so are plugins. And so you just got to get used to it. It's not that big of a deal. It really isn't. Instead of spending $200 per plugin, you could pay 12 bucks a month and get all the plugins. Slate Digital is a great bargain. Bang for buckets, the best bargain out there. I say that all the time. And just use those. If you bought the, that, for example, and had your stock plugins, you never need to buy another plugin again. Limit your choices. You could turn out professional sounding mixes or pick another brand. I like Slate Digital. You could pick Plugin Alliance. They're another one. 20 something dollars a month. You get every plugin that they have. You'll never use them all. They have so many of them. Okay. So limit your choices to plugins and, and, and just move forward. Learn those plugins and move forward. Okay. It's difficult to mix when you have too many choices. You spend most of your time picking out plugins instead of actually mixing. <laughs> The next reason why mixing can be so difficult is there are too many tracks recorded in the session. This kind of leans into what I just said a minute ago in, in uh, point number two. 
Too many tracks. In digital recording today, it is not uncommon for a client to send me a mix with 100 tracks in it. For a basic, you know, we're not talking about some, you know, opera, you know, opera type or big band or big string sections and we have 40, we're talking about basic rock song, pop rock song, country rock, pop is a hundred tracks, a hundred, right? The band consists of vocals, background vocals, bass, guitar, keys, and drum. There's a hundred tracks in this session, <laughs> right? There's 30 guitar tracks. I have to sift through all that and figure out what makes sense. You know, there's 25 tracks on the drums. It's a four-piece drum kit, right? Why do we have 20 tracks? Why do we have close rooms, far rooms, mid rooms, overheads close, overheads far, overheads behind the drum kit, overheads in the parking lot? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? With digital recording, it's awesome that you can record as many tracks as you want. The bad thing about digital recording is you can record as many tracks as you want. And then by the time you get to mixing, it becomes the needle in the haystack trying to figure out what works for the song. Crazy. The Beatles recorded on a four track. By the time they got to an eight track into a 16 track, they were like in heaven, right? Led Zeppelin was recorded on an eight track or a 16 track machine, 24 at most in the later years. When you record in the analog world, you have maybe 24 tracks. You know, that's it. How many do you need? I mean, really, right? So again, too many tracks in the session. You know, I spent half my time with a client mix eliminating the tracks. Just because you can record all the tracks doesn't mean that you should. Now, there's certain songs, certain style of the music, you're scoring for film and you're doing things like, that's different. I'm talking about the bread and butter stuff that we taught, popular music, the the bread and butter stuff. There is no reason to have that many tracks in a session. Most of the stuff is redundant. And so if you don't learn how to eliminate tracks and you just use everything that they give you, oh my goodness, try to get that to sound right. And crazy, crazy 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 (laughs) anything over 32 tracks in my opinion is too much 90 percent of the time so be careful about that if you're someone recording and mixing your own music don't record a bunch of tracks just because you can commit make a decision move on you don't need to have a guitar track with seven different microphones on it that's crazy pick one record it move on pick two blend them together be done some of the best recorded, recorded, excuse me, guitar tones on planet Earth were done with two tracks on a cabinet, an SM57 and a ribbon mic, usually a Royal 121. Done. That's the guitar track. Okay. When I get sessions today, it's not like that. And so I know that people are recording too many tracks. So reduce the amount of tracks that you're recording and or if you're the mixer getting stuff from clients that have 100 tracks, how to eliminate. Only use the tracks of the most important to the song and make those tracks sound great. Having more tracks doesn't mean a better mix. It means a more challenging and it becomes more difficult. Okay. Tip number four, the quality or point number four, the quality of the recorded tracks are subpar. Huge. We talk about this all the time. I've said how many millions of times, if you've been following me for any length of time, get it right at the source. Now I'm talking to the people here who are recording and mixing their own music, okay? If you're mixing other people's music where you did not record it or weren't part of the production, the pre-production and the actual recording, then you're kind of stuck with what they give you, okay? But for the people that are also doing recording and mixing their own music, 
having tracks that aren't recorded well makes it almost impossible to make a mix sound great. And therefore, is why mixing is so difficult. <laughs> you have to have good recording skills. The good news is, it's not that difficult. You can record world-class sounding stuff in a home studio environment. The gear and the technology today is there. It's not the gear, it's the engineering skills. If you have tracks that are not recorded well, it's hard to make those sound good, okay? It really, really is. And today with VST Instruments, my Lord, you can get world-class sounding stuff in the privacy of your own bedroom. And I'm talking about everything from drums. I mean, guitar emulation has come a long way. You know, even five, six years ago, I never would have put a VST software guitar on a commercial product. It had to be with a real guitar amp, a microphone, and a cabinet. That's not the case anymore. Things like you know, Line 6 Helix, uh, what do they call it? HX Edit or something. You know, the, the, the Helix plug-in part of it, it's 100 bucks or under 50 bucks. Sounds amazing. And there's others, you know, Guitar Rig. There's, you know, UAD makes some amazing guitar emulations of the Friedman amps and the Fender amps and the Marshall amps and the Saldano amps. You can record everything with a plug-in today and they sound great. Now, for your purists that want really to record a guitar amp, you could do that as well in a bedroom. You really, really can. You really can. It's 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 very, very achievable to get high-quality recorded tracks in a studio environment with not spending a ton of money, okay? There's no excuse today for poorly recorded tracks. However, I mix client, I do probably, I don't know, 12 to 15 um, client mixes a year, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, but in that ballpark, and I would say 80% of them, the tracks are, are crap. They're recorded like crap. You know, the vocals are out of tune. The vocal is they're not recorded well. They're clipping. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I get stuff like that. Happens all the time. And then I have to go back and forth with the client about, hey, you really need to, can you re-record this? Can you do, you know, this is only going to sound so good because I can't mix stuff that isn't recorded well. I can, but it doesn't sound the way your intent you want it to sound. So the quality of recorded tracks is hugely important. Okay, I know that a lot of you know that, but it's worth saying over and over again. Okay, bad recorded tracks is only going to give you a mix that doesn't sound very good. It's going to sound bad. Great recorded tracks, wonderfully recorded tracks with a song that's arranged and written well, which is part of this. We didn't talk about this, but it's part of it. With no processing at all, I should be able to put it in the DAW, put the faders up at zero, do a quick little balance of the levels and the panning, and it should sound 90% done without the first plug-in on it, right? If it doesn't, then the tracks aren't recorded right. That's how you know. That's, that is such a huge thing I can't even begin to tell you. So if you have control over the recording of the tracks, make sure they're recorded well, okay? And the last point, why is mixing so difficult? Well, one of the reasons is there's so many different playback systems today. You know, there used to be a time where there used to be a home stereo and a car, and that was it, <laughs> you know? So when you were mixing client projects, you, were, you was only a couple of places where things were consumed. You know, you would burn it on a CD or back in the good old days, make it on a record, and it was played in a home stereo hi-fi. That's it. And then a car. That's it. Now we have all kinds of playback systems, iPods and phones and online and streaming, and it, there's so many. 
earbuds and different types of headphones. There's so many types of playback systems that even under the best circumstances, it's nearly impossible to get a mix to translate in every system, no matter how much preparation is done on the front end. And some of that is out of your control, that it's hard. It used to be a time where that wasn't the case. If it sounded good in your home stereo, it, would, it was good to go. That's not, the, that's not the case anymore. So how do you fix that? Well, there's not much that you can do outside of making sure that you have a few different monitoring systems in your studio that you can check your mixes on. We talk about this a lot. I always recommend a minimum of three. You have your main speakers, you have a secondary set of speakers, and you have a set of headphones, and then maybe even a set of earbuds. That's about what you need to, that'll get you 90% of the playback systems, right? So your, your main stereo speakers that we talked about, a thousand bucks a pair minimum, are going to help you be able to do the critical listening and hear things accurately to make good decisions. And then when you pop them into your secondary speakers, what I call a set of crap speakers, I have the Avatone Mix Cubes. Um, you know, they're like 500 bucks for a pair. They're powered. It's a little four and a half inch speaker that's very mid-range heavy. Sounds like crap. It's supposed to sound like crap. If you can get a mix with some clarity that sounds halfway decent on those speakers, they'll sound good anywhere. It's one of the best things I did for my studio years ago was getting those secondary set of speakers. I check every mix on that. And then also on a set of headphones, decent set of studio headphones and maybe some earbuds. I mix for those environments. If I could get them to sound balanced where I can hear all the instrumentation and hear the clarity on all those speaker systems that I just mentioned that I know wherever you put my mix 99% of the time it's going to sound good you know is there going to be an area where it doesn't sound great it could if you put it in in a stereo system let's say that has you know two in a car stereo system has two 18 inch subs in the trunk you know and they jack up the bass then yeah it's going to sound boomy but every mix is going to sound like that right so having those separate playback systems will help you cover as many bases as you can. But that's one of the reasons why it's so difficult because there are so many playback systems today. And that's it. That's, that's the reason. So those are the five reasons why mixing is really difficult. And those are some of the things that you can do to combat those things. And I think if you can get those under control, you'll have mixes that'll sound good. So in summary, getting it to translate, one of the reasons why it's difficult, there are too many choices with plugins and with processing in the digital world. Too many recorded tracks in a session will, will kill you. <laughs> the quality of the tracks being crap. So not only do you have too many of them, but they all sound like garbage. That's, <laughs> that'll kill you. And then have so many playback systems really can, you know, you feel like you're always trying to hit a moving target. So those are the five reasons why it's so difficult. And those are some of the things that you could do to maybe help. I hope that was helpful to you. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Now I want to give you a gift. I don't think I said this at the beginning of the episode. I usually do, but anyway, I want to give you a gift. So if this is your first time here, or you have not been recently to homerecordingmadeeasy.com, go on out there, right on the homepage. I want to give you a free mixing course. I want you to check out that mixing course. It gives you an introduction to me and my teaching style and see if my training and kind of style of teaching will help you. And if you enjoy that mixing course and you'd like to purchase one of the other courses on my website and why I have courses on everything from recording to EQ to compression to mixing to mastering, you can use the discount coupon code podcast30 at checkout. That'll take 30% off any course on the website. So those are the two things I want to give to you. Last but certainly not least, I'd like to hear from you. Send me an email to info at homerecordingmadeeasy.com. 
Links will be in the show notes below. And let me know what other uh, show ideas and topic ideas do you want me to bring to this podcast? I think I've done now 28 episodes and I'm starting to get to the point where I think I covered a lot of the main topics, but I want to hear from you. What would you like to hear on this podcast? What type of topics would you like me to cover? Please send me an email and I'd love to do that for you. And then again, last but certainly not least, make sure you like, subscribe, share, give me the five-star review and the thumbs up wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really does help me. And the more uh, interaction and the more uh, people that share and like this podcast, the more episodes I will do for you. So until next week's podcast, I've been Dave with homerecordingmadeeasy.com and mixingmadeeasy.net. Everything will be in the show notes below and I will see you next week. Take care, everybody. Thank you.